this stage of where we're at in our business is never going to happen again. That's really exciting. What do you have the most conviction on? As soon as you enter into entrepreneurship, you sign away your life. It's a process of understanding value, understanding what you're doing and what game you're playing. What society deems valuable is scarcity. Can you be a rock star without building that height growth company? Block the noise, shut the fuck up and win, period. Just show Just everything. Just show everything. Everything. And that's, that's what we did. And so people everything. really started getting interested. But they're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, people like, are like, what are you guys doing? I'm Jake the Rover. My life goal is simple. WWE star called Mr. America. My name is Leslie Carls. My nickname is The Panda. And I run this ship. Nick Just Nick. Can I get a midday squares? Midday Squares Uncensored. We talk about family business, entrepreneurship, chocolate, and whatever fucks are on our mind. Today's episode, we're going to start to debate a little bit about whether or not you should be building a company that needs to raise money or that's self-funded and kind of uses cash flows to build. I think it's a heavy debate I've been seeing on Twitter and LinkedIn, so I'm really excited to discuss that um, but housekeeping, as always, I woke up. My allergies are are fucking killing me. Uh, I literally have a tickle in the back of my throat as I'm speaking right now. All I want to do is take my index finger and scratch that little dangly thing that hangs in the back of your throat. Um, not feeling uh, the ba- I'm feeling energized as fuck, but itchy as fuck. It's a really weird feeling. Jake looks jack tanned. He's on a uh, on a uh, look good, feel good campaign. Jake, you want to tell the audience a little bit about that? Yeah, so I began the look good, feel good campaign. Um, you know, we have T minus thirty days till the summer's out here in Montreal. So that means shirts off. That means excitement. That means everything that you you want in terms of summer partying. So I'm super excited for that. So that means no more ketchup for me, which I have every day with two meals a day. <laughs> that means uh, drinking more water. That means doing an ab workout for fifteen minutes every. Every morning and no no breaks, no giving up on it. I struggled so hard this morning, but I did the 15 minutes on YouTube. I'll give a link to what the exercises are. And are not- you on YouTube? Or- oh no, no, I'm not on YouTube. I just I just I just YouTube it. But but from an allergy standpoint, it's also part of the look good feel good campaign. I've given up on allergy medication. You know why? <laughs> I can't. You know why? Do you know why? Because they say it's non-drowsy. Bullshit. It is fucking drowsy. And Dr. Dickey, my friend Dr. Dickey, explained to you why there's a drowsiness aspect to it. Because they do block the drowsiness from going to your brain, but there's a 10% chance that the drowsiness in the pill can get to your brain. And if it does, you feel like absolute ass. Ass is the I, best I agree. word. So, so I was getting ass every day for the last two weeks. I yeah. couldn't understand why at one o'clock I was dead, completely dead. Why don't so you I get the up. allergy needle? Spray. Yeah. Or spray. Avne. Okay. I can't, but I do have to say this weekend, you scoffed. You did cookies. Last night I saw you with candy, Sour Patch Kids, uh, to be specific. The only reason why, because there was a new one called the berries. Mom bought the berries for me. My mother buys the candy for me. And I said, I have to try it before I go in the look good, look good feel you good You also campaign. had fries from Dao. <laughs> but I'm on it today, not yesterday. You started today. And yeah, you did a look- lot of white claws last week. You're looking in the past. It's about today and the future. Okay, it's a Monday start. Yes. How are you feeling, Leslie? Uh, I'm Carl's. feeling. I'm feeling good. I'm a bit tired. I didn't have the best sleep last night. I did a lot of tossing and turning. Um, when are we gonna just call it what it is? You don't sleep well. Every I have night, insomnia. You don't sleep well. Yeah, I have yeah. insomnia. So let's just call it what it is. So I didn't have the the greatest sleep last night, but I'm actually really amped up about the week. 
Um, I had a really good weekend. Like, even though we worked this weekend, um, I just, I feel good. Like you said, I'm tired, but I'm also energized in in a way. So I'm really excited to get going on the week and uh, I'm fired up, you know? Oh, I do have to say one thing. I'm working on living in the present more. And like this morning in the car ride, I was just saying to myself, like, you know, this stage of where we're at in our business is never going to happen again. And I get to come to work every day and build this part of the business. And I think that's really exciting. And so it's like, it's not just about this hamster wheel for me. That's what I'm trying to say is it's not this hamster wheel anymore for me. Like actually coming to work today is a new day with new things. And I'm excited about it. I'm going to save all the listeners uh, thousands of dollars of therapy and going to retreats and I'm just going to save you guys a boatload of money and just distill it down to you. I was speaking with Les yesterday talking about this subject matter. I'm reading the book Green Light by Matthew McConaughey. Jake, we'll get into your book next. Uh, But one of the pieces and then it clicked that of all the books I've read of people that I look up to, don't look up to, all have this same conclusion of when they have this aha in their life and the big aha is the second they stop worrying about the past and the future and start living in the present they all say that that's the moment that they reach zen some call it happiness some call it state of flow you name it and so i agree with you it's like what's in front of you what do you smell what are you seeing what are you going through good bad everything just live in that fucking moment yeah. Just live in the moment. It feels good to live in the moment. Because humans are so focused on living in the past or the future. It's like, I'm going to have this. I'm going to get there. It's like that. You're missing it. You need a little bit of it to have aspiration and drive. Of but course. Th- but then it overtakes sometimes. So it's a fine line. Jake, what book are you reading? Uh, this is one of my favorite, actually. I think it is my favorite so far. It's called The Company I Keep, My Life and Beauty, Leonard Lauder, Chairman Emeritus and former CEO of the Estee Lauder Company. Um, companies because they have many brands. One of the coolest books, like just goes to a family business that grew from 1920s to today, which is a leader in the industry and just bold, man. This is the just, Estee Lauder book. This is about the, this is the memoir of the family and like how, you know, the mother was a superstar. She was Estee Lauder herself and, the, and, and Leonard, the son, had to operate the business and their relationship was just like so interesting. It's how like they went from mother and son wow. to bit, almost business partner like, but she was the superstar. He was the operator and he got really no credit during, but he was okay with that because he needed his his mother, who was a creative also, very creative, to be out there and about. And it's just, it's so cool. I never, I never would have read a book about Estee Lauder and someone asked me a very interesting question on Instagram. Why do you read these these types of books? And I had a very interesting answer. I wanted to understand, I want to understand the minds of these conglomerates, how they think from different levels of their stages so I can kind of relate to it and look up to them or see or what I don't like about them and learn. And the person was fascinated by that answer because I said, I can now enter into the brain of these heroes or these these villains, whatever they are. And understand them and then learn for myself and choose what I want to take from them. You you actually said it beautifully there is that the most dangerous person in the world when it comes to breaking the law are lawyers. And and the reason why they're so amazing at it is because they understand the law. And if you understand the law, you can see the points in which you can break it and, and, and fall in between those lines. And to take that full circle, I think it's the same when it 
we're in a business of where we're fighting against conglomerates, we're fighting against upstarts, we're fighting against all sorts of, we're fighting for the stomach. That's when people ask us who's our competitors, I say, well, honestly, every single person that is fighting for somebody's stomach is essentially our competitor. So the better we can understand the mindsets of, ma of massive companies, the better we can fight them. The better we can find angles in which we can hit their soft spots, their Achilles heels. That's why we read these books, um, you know, to just get in those mindsets. And mentors. And mentors, yes. I always say, what did you say? Uh, you, you can't, you can, like, you're who you surround yourself by, right? And at the end of the day, like, if, if let's say you can't have access to people at this level, you could read their books and, and you do have access to a version of, of them, you know? Which is nice. I love, yeah, I, I just want to add something to exactly her point. I love that aspect. But I think as you grow up, you have your childhood groups of friends, you have, you, you know, your communities. Maybe they don't give you that type of knowledge, inspiration, uh, creativity, uh, you know, just freedom that you would like to have. So when I read these books, I get that. I feel like I'm talking to the person, but I'm oh, yeah. not. And it's kind of like an outlet. It's, even though I'm not actually physically speaking, I'm like in my head, I'm going, going, going through and then like bouncing the ideas and it's the coolest experience. So I think everyone that doesn't read has got to pick up a book. I know it's going to be hard. Leslie's, Leslie has a hard time reading right now, but she's working on it and it takes time. It took me 27 years. So just imagine. It forces you to shut the fuck up and listen. That's the beauty about a book. You can't speak to it. You actually, the only thing you could do is listen. It's a fascinating <laughs> it's concept. True. Very Love true. Love All that. right. So this debate is a debate that has been going on for a while and it's this idea of how what type of businesses should one build and so you have these sweaty cash flow businesses that let's just call are usually romanticized by being like services business um landscaping, those types of window washing, those types of businesses are romanticized in that way and then you have the headline just raised 40 million dollars type businesses that people read in 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 you know all the major media outlets and all that type of stuff and there's this debate that's going on amongst entrepreneurs about like what type of a business should you build and so this uh the point of this episode is that it actually doesn't fucking matter and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But this is something that I was super passionate about. I want to bring up in this show because we all have experiences in different ways. So without naming the name, this is a LinkedIn post that triggered my, something in me, an emotion. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to read the response and then I want to get into it. The most successful business person I know owns a landscaping and fencing company. He has raised zero outside dollars from investors, zero institutional capital. He employs hardworking people, owns all of his equipment, and has a growing list of crazy good testimonials and a backlog of customers waiting for his services. I share this because I'm a 22-year-old mind, because my 22-year-old mind has been disillusioned by business and what it means to be successful and or to succeed. There's so much talk about companies raising millions, and unfortunately, that's such a misjudged reflection of 99% of businesses. In listening to people that have built these types of sustainable business and profitable, profitable businesses, this in my heart is what everyone should be doing. You don't need $10 million in outside investment, investments to build a healthy business. That hit me hard, and I thought about this for a day before responding and then I responded this 
The truth is, is that none of that matters. Not one business is built the same. Your job is to play whatever game you need to play as an entrepreneur. I've been on both sides of the fences, and for everybody listening, I have. I can tell you that both sides are overly romanticized. Hard work, sweating, boring businesses, stories that produce cash flow are over-romanticized. And highly funded hyper-growth is over-romanticized in the media. And both of those narratives are leading to mass mass confusion amongst entrepreneurs. So my advice is block the noise, shut the fuck up, and win, period. That's, That's what I'm out here preaching. But I want to talk today. What do you guys feel? So let's start with what did that just make you feel inside? Um, and, and what are your thoughts on business and what that game looks like? Um, okay, so basically, I think when I listen to that, um, my first instinct is it doesn't matter what other people are doing. Do what matters to you um, because both are very different, but there's no right or wrong. That's my opinion is there's no right or wrong how you want to build or grow your business. Every business model is very different. Every business model requires different things. Some things require innovation, which require capital. Some things require a lot of cash up front because you need to build things out. And some businesses can turn cash right away because you could take a hundred, you could take a dollar and and sell it for two. And now you've profited a dollar, right? Maybe you don't need a bunch of things to set up your business. So I really believe that there's no right answer. like you kind of said is there there there's no right or wrong um and it's really i think if you're starting to base your your idea on on what type of business model you want to create you're missing the point i think i think you want to come out with whatever it is you want to do and whatever that ends up being is what it is when we set out when we set forth with midday squares we didn't think we were going to have to manufacture this product and so our business model would have been very differently because we would have gone to Copacker and the three of us could have focused on building the brand, pushing sales. But we couldn't do that. And because we couldn't do that, we required a lot of capital to build a $3 million plant. So- I think the part though I really want to distill is though how, how shocking and confusing at some point it still is for all of us to look at the company and understand that value is being built, but we're pissing away so much cash on a monthly basis. It is hard. That's the part I really want to tease out of you because I, I know it's been a new, a, a kind of a new feeling for you. A hundred percent. Like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and lie that when we started this business, you know, I, I did, I did have different, I did have a different idea of how it was going to be, you know, and I still struggle with it, right? In the sense that, you know, we give a lot of our shares away for money and our business is not viable yet because we have to grow this thing. And so, yes, it sometimes for me, the idea of building a very a profitable business and being able to fund the business with your profits seems more sexy to me. It B- does. And bingo. And you said some really key stuff there that I will hold off on because I want to go to Jake. Jake, I know this has been a really – you started out one way and have really come – very like it's it's been – I've seen a full 180 with you. So t- take me out through the idea of where you started and where you are now and what's changed. Just before I start that, my first opinion on the LinkedIn post, it, 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 I just got hit by it. So like it kind of like shell-shocked me at first um, because I understand where the mass confusion is happening. I had the mass confusion. When I graduated college – 
I thought when people when companies raise money, whatever if it says 20 million, 10 million, 2 million, I thought it was like, "Oh my god, these are the most successful businesses in the world." Then I would look at also other businesses where people are enjoying very nice lives, um, doing the window washer businesses, the service industry business that are printing cash, printing and, and talking about how they print so much dollars. So I kind of looked at it, I was like, "What the hell is going on in this world? What's really truth?" Then when I entered into Midday Squares August 2018, my first opinion was um I don't want to give up so much percentage of the business. And this was Leslie and I's conversation a lot of the time was it's too much. And you were kind of veering it's that the bigger picture isn't it's not that. And I, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand what you were saying. And I was saying, how could we give up 20 percent? How could we give up 10 percent? We're going to end this journey with nothing. <laughs> no, but seriously, that's what I yeah. thought. And that took a year and a half. Yep. I uh, still struggle with that. But I had not, I was kind of like animosity of like, why would I give up? Even if it's capital, why am I giving up the hard work that we're putting in to give up? Then there was a moment where I was like running on a treadmill, imagine running on a treadmill. And then suddenly the speed goes up and you're okay with that speed pumping. You're like, you're jamming. You're like, the brain's not even processing. It's just going. And I realized the bigger picture I bought into, I finally bought into it and said, it's either going to blow the fuck up and going to grow where we believe it's going to grow fully. And I said, it doesn't matter what percentage I own of that. The magnitude of what we're building is a buy-in process. And if you buy into that process, you need to fund it. In our business specifically, specifically midday squares, it needs serious funding. Yes. And then I was okay with giving percentages, giving options to employees that are working extremely hard to people that would add value to this company to get us to that bigger picture because i truly do believe at this point that we have a chance of being a unicorn and that we will be a unicorn as long as the pieces continue coming together and we continue the mindset and vision we see but i blocked out the noise because i started hearing people say to me why would you give up that oh yeah and that would drive me down this weird weird tornado where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go back to my original opinion. Yeah. It's, it's monster noise. I could, I, do you want to say something before I get into No, I, I'll hop in after. The noise is why we're doing the podcast today. This is why I wanted to set the stage. So let's talk about value first, before we move on to the next, what is value? That's another thing that's very conceptually uh, fucked for a lot of people is that value is what two people decide something is worth. And this is a concept I want to bring back is that cash is just one component of a business in value. Many things could produce cash. Not many things could produce value at scale. What do I even mean by that? Okay. So the book Sapiens, which you've heard us bring up a lot on this podcast, talks about the idea that what has allowed humans to really evolve is this concept that we can make fictitious ideas a reality. Money in and of itself today, ever since the Nixon administration stopped having gold be part of the, uh, the, the currency, has literally become a thing that has no value other than the fact that we decide that it's worth value. Now, yes, for all you people out there that want to talk money policy, we can get into deeper debates, but on the surface level, it's fictitious. Then you look at things like art and then it really fucking makes your brain explode because art produces no cash, sits on your wall, and somehow there's paintings right now in the world that are worth over $100 million. Some are worth 26, some are worth 5,000. That concept is fucked. 
but it goes, I love using art because it goes to show the importance of value in society. What society deems valuable is scarcity. And so by definition, what Midday Squares is trying to build is very difficult, very difficult other than, let's say, starting a window washing business tomorrow. Now, I'm not saying that that's better or worse. I'm just saying the barrier to entry of going to that magnitude of making a brand that the world loves is hard. So what ends up happening is that you have investors from all over the world that need to return, make returns on their money. And some people have a lot of money sitting on the sidelines. And so they look for companies that have a shot at displacing something massive and becoming extremely valuable. So by definition, the fact that we created a business that is trying to become the next Hershey's or Nestle or Nike or whatever the fuck you want to call it, that difficulty in and of itself is scarcity, which creates value. And that's why even though we piss cash on a monthly, the fact that there's a plan of how this boat makes sense and that we're doing it, it attracts people and it creates value and value is increased. And so when, Les, you look at me or Jake, you look at me and we talk about this idea of, well, the company's losing money. Well, I say that's a philosophical question. Cash is being burnt, but value is being created. And our shares and the shares of this company continue to increase. And so why is that any different than the increase of value of art and stuff like that? And that's why this is not a black or white question to debate on. It's very philosophical in that sense. And so, you know, that, that's, that's the part that's, that's the most fascinating in this whole thing. And, and Les, I'd like for you to touch a little bit on some of those debates that we've had at night of how this realization is starting to hit you. Yeah, I think for me, I'm still, so I've, I've worked for other companies before. Um, growing up, I hosted. I was a hostess. I, I worked in restaurants. Um, I was making minimum wage, uh, so I was earning some money there. Then at, at other points, I worked for um, my father, and I was earning money there. Um, but the rest of my life, I've been an entrepreneur, and I've never earned money from. Um, my startup, my my ideas, right? And Nick, you always bring up that I am right now. I have real value. If tomorrow I wanted to take my shares to the market, there's real value there, yes. and that could be turned into cash. And I'm still, I still have a hard time understanding that. I still have a hard time realizing that the, I do have value, right? There is value being created here, and I, and it's just in a different form, right? But I've yet to have. But we've yet to take a paycheck from Midday Squares, right? We've yet to extract a salary from this company. And so it is a very weird um, experience that I have with Midday Squares. It really is. And then I, I, I do, you know, the one thing that does keep me sane is Amazon. I really look up to Amazon. I love what they've done. And for 20 years, they didn't turn a profit. I don't know the exact, but a long time. For a very long time, they didn't turn a profit. Now, their business at the beginning wasn't viable, right? Now it is. And and it is massive, and it's for the greater good. It's not even about the money, Amazon, right? It's what it's been able to do for the world and for us as humans. And so that's where I'm I'm finding myself in like, okay, I know what we're trying to achieve, 
and that really excites me but it it the I am still figuring out how to manage the value thing right I am still trying to figure that out and I, I sometimes I I get I get stressed I'm like oh well maybe by the end of this we'll each own you know 8% you know and it doesn't really matter right but I'm still trying to grasp that idea of it not mattering matter matter making it matter matter exactly matter. thank you you're welcome um you know so yeah it's 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 a process of understanding value, understanding what you're doing and, and what game you're playing, you know? Yeah, I, I, ha- I have things to add um, to that. I remember the day one when we went to Dr. James Gavin, we always bring him up. He's our, he's our business therapist for some of you that don't know. Um, he said to us, you're signing away, as soon as you enter into entrepreneurship, you sign away a sacrifice of your life. So that day that that happened was... Um, it struck me and I was kind of like, does that even mean anything? But then I started to say, I'm buying in. I'm trying to buy into this process. I'm trying to because if you don't have a, a team that buys into your process or buys into the vision, it will go nowhere. You don't have the three partners buy into it. The leadership doesn't buy into it. It's not going to go anywhere. You've already bought into the process. You mm-hmm. really have. Yes. You're just trying to rationalize the, the, the value. I'm wearing a Disney shirt. I don't know if anyone could see it. I'm wearing a Disney shirt right now. It's a partnership with Levi's. I paid $58 for this, okay? That's expensive. too. <laughs> a regular shirt at Levi's of this is $24, $25. I saw the value in paying this. And people would say, you're crazy. But my value is there. They've built value. Disney licenses out their products and sells for premiums. I'm wearing shoes, $300. It's not about the price point. It's that they had Disney on it. I paid the dollar. I would never pay for other shoes at that price point. That's just me. You so believe in the brand. I believe in the brand. This man here about Estee Lauder, this is very important. He had a brand called Clinique, which is huge now today. Everyone knows Clinique. What happened with Clinique is they, la- they were about to launch. They had everything ready. This was, a, this was an innovation at the time. Estee Lauder had no money always throughout their journey. They had no money in the bank. They had maximum one or two months of money. And this is where I get, I get the relatability. And they were launching Clinique. They had no money. They were going to launch this brand. It was going to blow up. Revlon, their competitor, would always copy them six months later, and they had a lot of money. So they would dump it down. They'd wait for them to do the R&D. They would do it. Clinic was about to launch. Packaging was ready. Real retail was ready to distribute it. They paid a lot of money. Advertising was ready to go. Hear this out. Clinic, the name. Some other company had the name Antrazin Clinic. So it, was, it, it wasn't Clinic, but it was, there was a name before it. And their personal, their, their U.S. attorney said to them, if you go through with this, they'll come and they'll come take it if this is a success. And they could take everything. Because the clinic is in the name. Wow. So you know what he said? Zero. They had zero dollars in their bank account. He says, I need to be in touch with the person that owns this. It was another cosmetic company, which he knew a friend of a friend. We always say build good relationships. They got in touch. They had a personal meeting. At the time, this is in the 70s. Okay. He said to him, I'm going to pay you $100,000 for that. Do you know $100,000 was at that time? A Probably lot of 250 money. to 300. They had yeah. no money. Yeah. Could even be closer to a million, by the way. Could be closer to a million. He said, but Leonard Lauder said in the book, and you'll read it if you do read it. He said, I will. I believe the vision of Clinic being massive. And he says, I don't have the money, but I'll pay you installments. They pay $20,000 installments. And he bought the Clinic name for that price. Estee Lauder had no money. And they fucking blew it up. But that's the same concept. He saw the value and he paid it. So here... And you just triggered like a push in my brain right now. I'm going to throw mindfuck to the audience and to you guys. Midday squares. Pisses cash, right? 
but we're we're getting to a point where we just keep getting better and better and better. Now, when I look at our profit and loss statement and I look at what happens, we could actually start to reconstruct midday squares to be profitable, like tomorrow. Right. You say this to me all yes, the time. Yes, yeah. we can. We really can. But guess what? Say goodbye to this podcast. Say goodbye to our media team. Say goodbye to everything. Here's the biggest mind fuck in which makes midday squares valuable. And so all those investors that call us and say what you guys are doing is different and I see the value here, in order to trade short-term profit, we would actually have to kill value to do so. Yeah, that's cool. This is the concept of value. And this is what I wanted to distill on today's call. To call call. today's podcast. It brings full circle. It's crazy that. Would you... No, destroy I, the value of midday squares in order to reach profitability. Tomorrow. I wouldn't. Neither would I. No, because we bought into a vision. If we w- didn't buy into the vision, we would say goodbye. And by the way, Leslie, I, because you said something about the share values going up before, you know what I thought would be a, maybe an interesting experiment? Why don't you sell us some of your shares just to get the dollars to see that you they earned that dollars? <laughs> no, but get what I'm saying? Market I price. like it. Hey, I get to own more. Yeah, or or we split it and basically we pay you. Let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars. We we find the money, we pay you the hundred. You get your hundred. You know it's worth the money, and then you could whatever. If you want to make a return after, you can make I'm a return. I'm not selling my shares. Oh, but you get that that's that concept. Yes. You'll see the the actual physical value. Oh, I say I say it all the time. All so the time. yesterday I got a message uh, on LinkedIn. Somebody, our round was closed series B saying, what could you do to get me a hundred G's of your company? Perfect example right there. You want liquidity? You want liquidity? I want liquidity. Our shareholders agreement actually allows us to sell that because wow. it's such a small percentage. And I would have a hundred thousand in your bank account tomorrow. So do not tell me, thank you very much, that the shares that we have created in this company do not have fucking value. And that's the debate. The debate is it doesn't fucking matter. Your job as an entrepreneur is to create value. Mm-hmm. Now, value could be cash and or something else. I agree with that. I do have to say, though, I am, like I said, when I, when I opened the, the, when we were talking about housekeeping, I really do feel, guys, that finding my way in the present moment mm-hmm. is going to allow me to accept everything we just spoke about because, you know, there's there's the beauty that creates the drive and the dream of thinking about the future and what it has to hold because you guys know you know we're all diehard entrepreneurs and I have so many I want to build my restaurant and I have so many things I want to do and then I have great things that I want to do right but there's also great things that we're doing today and and midday squares allows us to do those things and so it's it's finding you know your balance of living in the present you know uh, uh, respecting the past and appreciating what the future is going to be it's so hard though it is it, it's it's so hard it's mm-hmm. so hard but here's another thing that I would like you guys aren't alone in doing this mm-hmm. one thing I learned from our coach early on before we were even, is you the second you decide what game you're playing, you cannot think you cannot jump between the two games because that will fucking kill you. It's dangerous. It's a very dangerous play. The second you have decided to play one path, which is let's say hyper growth, do something that needs scale to work, and then let's say you're 
a year into it and you just start to backpedal, you're like, whoa, 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 this is burning too much. Let's pull back. You're going to find yourself in no man's land and it's scary. You know what I'm saying? It's scary. Oh, I just hit that. Um, On the last piece, if you had to do it all over again, which which business would you do? That's a hard question. Again, I, I, it's not for me. I'm going to take this for me. It's not about deciding which business model right away. It's do I have a problem that I want to solve? Is there something I'm inspired by? Is there something I'm passionate about? Then I get into it. And once I get into it, then I identify what, what do I need to build this business? What does this business require? If it's cap heavy, then it's cap heavy. And if I'm passionate about it and, and it's something that I want to build, then that's the, the way I got to go. You know, if it's something that, you know, if it's the way of turning a dollar window washing business, then that's the way I'm going to go. It's not about that for me. It's about what I'm going to be doing and where that's going to take me. I have an answer. It might sound narcissistic and it's not going to sound, I, it doesn't come off a, it, from the true heart. It's not narcissistic. No so one's judging. To, no, but I just want to clarify because the ter, the tones is that, I don't know, can you be a rock star without building that hype growth company? And for me, the rock star that we're building and making people feel something and then, you know, feeling that together for me is is almost priceless. And I don't know if I wouldn't do that again. I, I wouldn't start a business not to do that, right? So after seeing this side of the aisle to a certain extent, like experiencing it. That's where you want to go. I want to go. I'll, that's why I want to do politicians there. next. I want to maybe do politician next, like in, in Canada, because I have some changes I would like to make. And um, that's Rockstar too. So it's like, I'd love to approach this hype Rockstar game in other industries and, and try them. So if I don't, no, but midday squares could be the rest of my life. I don't know. I and could, you, Nick? I know. I do want to just say something on that. And I think you guys both nailed it, by the way, because I have it in my show notes. It actually doesn't matter. Again, it's what do you have the most conviction on? Yes. What do you have the most conviction on? And not even when we were writing the, when we were producing this show for today, we talked about the word passion. And then we decided we hated that word because what does that even mean? Conviction is everything. And I think, Jake, what you're trying to say is your conviction of life is you're a showman. And so you just want to be a showman and All day. you'll go where the showman needs to Whatever go. Whatever it takes. Yeah, that, that is exactly. But that's conviction, baby. And that's, that's why I have an answer. And the answer is, is I was at a company that was producing millions of dollars uh, prior to this and nobody wanted to pay more than one times revenues for that business. And all of a sudden, I'm here at this company that doesn't produce cash, but people are willing to pay six, seven times the dollars that are transacted in this business. Value creation to me is everything. And I've really come to realize that the philosophy of value is there. Like once you uncover that cash is just a component of value creation, you can never go back. I can never unsee it. I can never unsee Mm -hmm that what we're building is creating value at a faster rate than cash creates value. That's what's fucked. It's crazy. Uh, On another note, as we're coming to the end of this episode, we got sued by... So how did that go? And we'll bleep that out. And then we're 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 gonna bleep out this company because they're a really big company. Well, we're not sued. We got a season assist, which is ultimately let's just call ultimately it a leading yeah. to a lawsuit. Leading to a lawsuit. Yeah, we did. I mean, honestly, I think you know we had this moment in Arkansas when the three of us had an explosive fight, and that's because we took something that was little and we blew it up for our own insecurities. 
And what I'm starting to realize is so much shit's going to happen on this road Ooh. to success. Like people wa- are going to want to take us down. And that's going to be big companies. That's going to be competitors. People are going to use whatever they can against us. People are going to send us letters. People are going to blackmail us. Blackmail us. Mm-hmm. People are going to cancel. People are going to talk shit. People are going to do whatever they need to do to take midday squares down. And that's okay. Like, it, that is okay. And like. I have a boner. Yeah. No, because. because honestly, I literally have a boner. Yeah. Listening to that. No, because it is irrelevant. They're going to try to take us down. But if we if we if we engage with it, if we acknowledge it, if we let it bother us, then they're winning. But we we don't have to let it bother us because it's irrelevant. What will be will be like at the end of the day. What I want to say is if someone's going to sue us in two years from now, we're, they're going to sue us. There's nothing we could do to prevent that. We will show up to fight. Like Jake says, we always yeah. show up. Yeah, we show up. We show up proud. Is that a gospel? No, but the truth is, guys, oh. the truth is like you can't prevent this shit. And what I thought when I first started this thing, I was like, how do I deflect? Because that's my personality. How, I st- how do I deflect everything? And now I'm just like, come to mama, because at the end of the day, what's going to happen is going to fucking happen. Guys, mama has milk. Oh, oh. <laughs> Guys, it's so simple. Like if you bought the vi- bought into the vision, it's going to come and whatever comes to that process and want to get there is it is what it is. And we just got to do that as long as it doesn't break our core value. And when the second it breaks one of our core values, <laughs> we go, we go full throttle. Burn the fucking <laughs> boat. Yeah. Burn the fucking boats. We are here to stay. Three, two, two one. Ole, 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 ole. Ole, ole. Ole, 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 ole. Ole, ole. Midday squares uncensored. Go out, have conviction on what you do, and we'll see you next week.